Welcome to Onward, the podcast where we explore social innovations and chat with the entrepreneurs moving them forward. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsman. Our elections lack integrity. An antiquated process which sits atop a deluge of confusing and inaccurate information which is fueled by opaque funding and is under constant threat from local, national, and foreign interest groups. The democratic process has proven to have a remarkable ability to promote people who are, well, I'll let you choose from the grotesque and growing list of adjectives, philanderers, misogynists, rapists, megalomaniacs, self-interested, nepotistic, ineffective, complicit, unqualified, and I could go on. Humans throughout time, since the inception of the first iterations of democracy, have been notoriously bad at decision-making, electoral and not. So how can we better inform decision-making? Well, with better information. And in today's information age, while we have no problem with the quantity of information we can access, we have a major problem with the quality of information. But improved information is just one vector of what societies need to improve the health of our democracies. Today, I sit with Myron Ragsdale and Lynn Roosevelt Wiggins, who've created a mobile tool to help voters, young and old, find the information about elections at all levels that they need to participate fully in the civic process and support the healthier future for us all. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So I'm Myron. I'm the founder of uh, InfoVote and Fourth and Main Media. Fourth uh, and Main Media is a, um, a digital marketing agency. We specialize in website development, um, social media marketing, um, and web design. Uh, we just recently launched a mobile application called InfoVote. InfoVote is designed to um, help increase voter awareness and prepare inter- Gen Z and millennials for our upcoming uh, midterm and general elections. Lynn, if you wanted to. Yeah, my and I'm Lynn, Lynn Wiggins. And I actually uh, just got on board with InfoVote uh, about a couple weeks ago, honestly, um, working as their comms director. And uh, previously, uh, I've been working at, with my own firm called Solomon Consulting. Uh, we do political organizing and economic and workforce development uh, strategies uh, throughout the country. And so I saw this as a unique opportunity uh, to do a different level of organizing and community engagement than I'd done previously in the past. And uh, for full disclosure, I know Lynn well, we go back to our organizing days in Oakland. Um, And so Lynn, when we were back in Oakland, we were, playing around with like ranked choice voting and some of the good government conversations in that realm. So I'm curious why you all decided to, out of all the different ways to uh, potentially improve our democracy, why Mm -hmm. voting was the issue that you decided to create a solution for? Well, to be honest with you, we have some of our, we experienced some of our lowest voter turnout in 2016. I think maybe 1.2 million African-Americans failed to turn out to the voting booth. Um, while turnout rose substantially in, in 2020, we noticed that it's significantly low in the midterms. So we wanted to get um, inner city youth more involved in not only the general election, but the midterm elections. Um, so that's, that's kind of where our focus is right now. 
And so how is InfoVote helping uh, get people to polls, get people educated about the different midterm special elections going on? Um, essentially by raising awareness. Um, our goal is to, was to create a simple, easy to use format that will allow our users to vet each candidate before they go into the voting booth and cast their ballot. And um, also provide the resources that voters need as far as checking the registration status, requesting an absentee ballot, and even learning the ins and outs of the electoral process. So we provide all of that information in the InfoVote application. So, I mean, we, we live in a, such an information-rich environment. There's so many places to get. You can find out whatever fact you want to find out and confirm it online. Yeah. Um, right. so, so where are you seeing some real impressive impacts around voter outreach and education? I mean, every four years, it seems like there's something like Rock the Vote, a big effort. Um, but what's moving the needle? I would say, honestly, some of the grassroots efforts that we've seen uh, throughout the country, for, for instance, Georgia and Florida come to mind uh, for several reasons. Um, if you look at Georgia, uh, they had, they're the leader in voter education and participation. Uh, they had the largest increase in average turnout of any other state in the 2018 midterm and then the 2020 primary. Uh, they had about 74% participation and 4 million voters turnout. And that was due to the grassroots efforts of uh, New Georgia Project, the Fair Fight, uh, All Voting is Local Georgia, ACLU Georgia, Georgia NAACP, Black Voters Matter Georgia, Mi Gente, uh, Latino Community Fund of Georgia, and Asian Americans Advocacy uh, for Justice in Atlanta. And then you look at, uh, on the flip side, you have Florida, where you've had the highest turnout in 28 years, uh, both in mail-in and early voting. Um, we had about 11 million people turn out in Florida in 2020. Uh, it was up from 1% in 2016, uh, but that's undoubtedly due to what happened in the 2018 midterm. As Myron mentioned, you're starting to see, uh, in the past, you'd seen a very low turnout, but beginning in 18 and a little bit earlier, I wanna say in 14, uh, you're starting to see these upticks in the midterm elections. Um, and particularly in Florida, we saw voting rights restored to uh, uh, voters with felonies. And that increased the voter rolls. Uh, there's about 1.6 million Floridians who are eligible, about 67,000 have actually restored their rights. So when we talk about substantive change and what programs work, I would say the grassroots programs that we've seen in Florida and Georgia um, definitely have worked. And the wonderful thing about it, um, when you look at them, I mean, these are traditionally, you know, part of very partisan, uh, trending conservative states. But even in the midst of those uh, trends, uh, you start to see some sort of uh, entry points in terms of like, the, in Florida, for example, we have an increased uh, minimum wage brought people out to the polls. Um, you know, but we also saw them trend for Trump. So we see these kind of nuances that can only be captured and understood through the lens that, you know, people are starting to trend more towards the middle than towards the extremes, I want to say at this point in time. I agree. Well, that's promising to hear. That, that, that surprises me that uh, Florida and Georgia are where we're seeing the most. And uh, I appreciate your answer because it kind of provides some context as to why that, why that actually does make sense, why that's no, not so far flung. 
So what's going on culturally and politically that's supporting the efforts to improve educator, uh, voter education and outreach? What about um, voter suppression, the stuff where there's barriers, but where's mm -hmm. the wind to our backs? Well, to be honest with you, as of lately, people, I've noticed that the excitement around voting has grown significantly in, a, in a, the last few election cycles. <laughs> so a lot of people are becoming more active and more involved. Um, you have people that's um, advocating for family and friends to get out to vote. You have different organizations. Um, uh, Lynn just spoke to a few of them, but even Reps Next Vote, there's a lot of organizations out there that's rallying um, uh, the youth and trying to get people registered and more actively involved in the process. So when you ask how or where is the wind to our backs, I think just the overall concept of people becoming more involved and um, figuring out who their uh, elected officials are and wanting to participate is a plus. Um, that's where I would go with it. And if you were, I don't know, the president of the election commission or whoever holds the power to decide how, what policies can get forwarded, what, what's one thing that you think could radically change how and improve how America votes? One policy, one program? Well, for me, if we could, I know this is tough. <laughs> it's tough to do, but um, Washington is and has always been very partisan. Um, if, if we could get our elected officials to pay, it, pay more attention to uh, what the voters are looking for, there, there's some serious change that's needed um, across the country. And we, we've seen um, a lot of protests and marching throughout 2020 uh, surrounding um, systemic racism or police brutality, et cetera. Um, a lot of those issues that we're facing as a country could be resolved if, um, if we were able to put the right elected officials in office that can address some of these concerns from the inside opposed to us um, trying to scream and yell for it from the outside. So I guess what I would say is if, if, if we could get our elected officials to take up some of the issues that's important in the community and to not approach these issues from a partisan viewpoint, but from a nonpartisan viewpoint, <laughs> then I think it, it, it could only be beneficial to our democracy as a whole. Yeah. God's ears. Do they do much uh, community-based planning in Detroit and any of the neighborhoods out there? So, yes, it does. Go ahead, uh, Lynn, I'm sorry. Yeah, there is a growing movement amongst the grassroots organizations and a lot of grassroots leadership in the city of Detroit, um, and particularly with uh, council members Raquel Castaneda Lopez and council member Brenda, jo Brenda Jones uh, and Mary Sheffield in terms of championing community uh, participation in not only planning the budget, but also in other matters matters having to do with uh, development, community benefits agreements, um, and other economic uh, impacts that are going to occur. So it's a growing movement, which, you know, one of the things I think we all understand, and one of the key takeaways, I think, post-January 6th, um, 
we need to think about. And that's the fact that at the end of the day, we're all Americans. What, what happened on January 6th is all of our faults. Um, I, I claim responsibility having worked in politics for the past 10 years as a democratic operative. Um, because at a certain point, you have to just be honest with the constituents and you have to tell the truth. And the truth of the matter is that we have a lot of people in power who are more dedicated and focused on getting reelected than they are actually serving their constituents. And what we currently have in DC is a, a muddled mix of that. Um, I do see some light in progress when you have individuals on uh, both sides uh, who kind of represent the grassroots new movements in both parties. But at the end of the day, we understand that our government is about compromise. And this voter app is designed to give people the opportunity and the freedom of choice to make a, a make a educated decision based upon, based upon the best information possible. Um, we're not here to kind of guide or steer people in a particular direction. Um, I think we all understand that when we all sit down and have conversations at the end of the day, we come together as Americans first and foremost. And when we sit down and we start to talk about our differences, we start to recognize that we can champion our differences as opportunities uh, for growth. And this app is designed to do that and facilitating those conversations in those areas and in a moment in time in which people don't necessarily want to have these conversations. But we know that in order for our country to move forward, we have to have these conversations. And to be able to have those conversations from unbiased perspectives informed by accurate information is so vital to our democracy being able to function. No, definitely. Uh, one, of the, one of the key things I think that I learned from you and that we learned from Tola was uh, one of the Axioms organizers from Fred Ross Sen uh, Sr. was actually, if you're moving people to act through truth and for truth, as you understand it, then you're organizing them. If you're moving them to act through deception, then they're manipulating them. I feel as though both sides have gotten to the game of manipulating populations as opposed to actually giving them correct information to allow them to make the right decision. Now, that's debatable. Um, some sides are more guilty than others, but that's not the point of this conversation. Um, our goal is to uh, specifically and intentionally provide a pathway forward so people can make those informed decisions. And, and so to do that, where, where does info vote start do you focus on a geography? Do you focus on a population? Do you focus on a, a band of the electorate? Well, um, yes and no. <laughs> uh, we believe that this application could be utilized by everyone. Um, it spans across regions and um, geographical makeup. However, Right now, we're focusing on inner city, Gen Z, and millennials. That's where our focus is because that's where the, the need seems to be. Um, but we definitely feel like this application can be utilized by uh, anyone. Just to get into a quick story, if I could. <laughs> My mom asked me recently, how come you're only targeting younger people, Gen Z, millennials? She said, you know, every time she goes to the voting booth, you know, she'll either vote party line, either because she doesn't recognize half of the people on her ballot, um, or she'll just skip over certain people who she don't recognize. She, she 
feels that she could utilize this application to familiarize herself with different office holders prior to casting her ballot so that she can make sure she's making an informed vote. And I agree 100%. This application isn't necessarily only resourceful for our younger generation, but you know, anyone could utilize this application for multiple purposes. Awesome, good to hear. Yeah, I mean, from kind of a business marketing standpoint, it makes sense. Get to the folks who are using these tools most familiar, but to build a tool that anyone can use. And I got on it, I flicked around, it's super user-friendly. The interface is clean and clear. So good work designing a tool that anyone can use. Thank you, thank you. That was our goal. Uh, but we are trying to get our younger generation more involved in the process. Um, I feel like that's that's very important. Um, another goal of ours is to, you know, it would be ideal if educators introduce this platform to their students prior to, um, while in 11th and 12th grade, prior to them graduating and entering uh, the real world. Um, yeah. It would be ideal, again, for educators to not only introduce the application, but to show um, the students how to access different information. How do you register? How do you request an absentee ballot? Um, you know, how do you find uh, different officials from the federal level to the local level? Um, uh, these are all things that we're, or pain points that we're looking to address with the application. So there's a lot of different folks who share your values, who are working in different venues and sectors to improve the health of our democracy. There's folks who are, who are doing it out in the streets, folks who are doing it with innovations and technology, folks who are doing it uh, you know, through their arts. So I'm curious, you as an innovator, as an entrepreneur, communicators in this space, what recommendations do you have for those who are working on this, this broader bucket of improving the health of our democracy? I'll let Lynn take this one. Well, I hate to do it, but <laughs> senior has so many axioms that I feel it only appropriate to list several of them at this moment in time. <laughs> Bring it. So the first thing is to realize there's a time for sound and a time for silence, and a good organizer needs to be able to differentiate between the two. Um, the second is the only way to organize is to organize not sit around and jaw about it. And then the third is, where's the delivered message? So kind of going in a reverse order, I think the first thing people need to understand is that this isn't, this is a marathon, not a race. Um, the goals and aspirations of making this country a more perfect union have been uh, relevant and alive since those treasonous despots sat down in a hot constitutional hall in Philadelphia uh, some 200 odd years ago. Um, I believe that in order for the message to be delivered, we have to continue to have these conversations. And that's why it's not about party uh, per se, it's about country. And as long as we as Americans can continue to have these conversations and talk to one another. I mean, that's the sign of a vibrant economy. A vibrant political economy is determined by its ability to effectively communicate with one another and understand one another's sides. That doesn't mean we have to necessarily agree, but we have to be able to understand one another's sides in order to move the ball forward. The other thing is that we can't, you know, 
uh, one of the things I have a problem with nowadays is um, Facebook organizing. Um, Facebook is a great tool that we've seen utilized to uh, topple governments and create social movements from Af from Pakistan to India to uh, Egypt uh, to Syria and beyond. But at the same time, we have to understand that in order, unless we're mobilizing people, um, we're just kind of jawjacking and murmuring. Um, it's one thing to sit around on your computer and talk about the problems and pontificate the problems of the world. It's another thing to actually utilize social media to mobilize for action. And what I mean by that is we have to be intentional of what we do. Part of the frustration and problems with both sides, both those who decided to go off to the Capitol on January 6th and those who paraded uh, in the streets this summer is that at the end of the day, there was little, um, there was a little thought process about what the end goal was. Um, and in some sense, because there was lack of organization, there was opportunity for, we'll call them domestic despots to engage in very disruptive behavior, which undermined the message of both sides. Now, I'm not gonna get into the weeds and I'm not gonna use the president's verbiage to say they had good people on both sides, but I will go so far as to say that it's a matter of perception. So those who felt it necessary to try and save the country on January 6th, um, they were operating under modus operandi that I will never understand, but at the same time, they were mobilizing in action. And those who sat around in the summertime and they said, you know, we're not gonna take this anymore. We have to stand up for our rights against a racist police system uh, that is, has been structurally based and dis disempowering and uh, destroying communities that they're not gonna stand around. They actually organized and mobilized and did something about it. So the fact of the matter is, if we're gonna use these tools, we have to use them responsibly. And then lastly, um, understanding that there's a time for sound and a time for silence. It goes back to the, one of the fundamental um, axioms I think is, which is basically you have to be a good listener in order to be able to solve problems. A lot of people listen to speak in, uh, as, uh, instead of um, listening to hear per se. The more we understand the other side, the more we listen, the more we can really solve these problems. Now, that would be my advice to anyone doing the work. You have to listen first. God gave us two ears, and one mouth to listen first and to speak last. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well said, man. Yeah. So it's Sunday. I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, I'm curious, like, what can folks do to begin to, to support, to encourage, to spread the good work that you're doing? Last words, calls to action. What do you got for us, gentlemen? Uh, well, I'll kick it off. For starters, um, people can volunteer. Uh, if they want to support, if they want to help uh, the cause, people can volunteer. They can contribute to different um, organizations in their community, uh, can volunteer to become a poll worker, or even run for office themselves. And we actually um, offer information and an application that will assist our users. If they, if they did have a passion uh, or a desire to run for office, you could learn exactly how to do that through the application as well. So, um, you know, aside from that, I would say to the people, the application is available now on the Google Play and the Apple App Store. Uh, you can search it um, or find it by searching InfoVote. 
And I encourage everyone to download the application, play around with it, familiarize yourself with um, your office holders at your local level, at your state and federal level. Um, we'll help you do that with the application. So um, the call to action would be download the application. <laughs> it's 100% free, um, it's resourceful. And um, I, think, I think it'll definitely help our users form a decision prior to going into the voting booth. Aaron said, and like we understand, as I think I've realized over the past, uh, whatever, how many cycles it's been over the past 10 years, all politics is local. Um, I remember when I first came back to Michigan, I had a private conversation with, uh, with Debbie Dingo. I'm like, Debbie, I'm, I'm having problems getting involved in politics here. Like no one knows me. And she's like, Glenn, you just keep on showing up. And if you keep showing up, you're gonna get in the door. And she was right. Uh, the more I showed up, the more events I went to, the more conversations I had, the more people understood where I was, who I was, what I was about. And lo and behold, um, opportunities opened up and were provided. And that's my words of encouragement to anyone. I'm no different from any other person. No one's better than anyone else. Whether you have a college degree from from the top tier Ivy League institutions in the country, or if you're just a, the son of an immigrant, uh, migrant farm worker, everyone has the opportunity to make a difference in this society because we all have the opportunity to communicate with one another. And it's how we communicate and when we communicate that'll determine what we can do on behalf of others. I think that's what's fundamentally important at this point in time. Excellent. Well, I really commend you to for, for creating this tool, getting it out to the world. I think it's it's an idea whose uh, it's past time it's come. And the fact that it's now here is just awesome. We, we need this for the local elections. We need it for the special elections. We need it for the nationwide elections. So I so appreciate the work that y'all have done out there. And uh, thank you. Do our darndest to get this out to the world. Let's scale this and create a better democracy. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that more than you know. Our governance structures and processes are stuck in the 1950s. If we don't act in short order to upgrade our operating systems, we're going to find ourselves in the dustbin of history. Innovators like Myron, Lynn, and Paula Santana, who we spoke with a few years back, along with a slew of others, are blending everyday tech tools that we all have in our pockets that we're wildly familiar with and effective at using they're blending these tools with their creative visions and helping us all reimagine a future that is more just, transparent, and effective, applying these innovations to an area that impacts us all, politics, our governance structures. Go download InfoVote, share it with a new voter in your life, and keep an eye towards the slew of emerging, non-polarizing solutions that are impacting the transient issues our communities face.
Formed by the conversations we have here, a little social engagement on this weird technology mainframe goes a long way. Before I go, I'd like to give a big shout out to my dear friend, Jay Lately. Jay Lately's music is the soundtrack to the Onward podcast. So if you dig the tunes that's behind the music, the, the intros, the transitions, that's all Jay Lately. Check him out on Spotify. He's been doing this work, following his heart, inspiring folks with his poetry, his words, and his passion for over 10 years. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, onward and upward. <laughs>